Welcome back to the Wrong Advice Podcast. I'm your host, John Pachuto, and I'm very excited to have my new and dear friend, Sierra Gaglio, aka Moonlight Media, on the podcast with us today. How you doing, Sierra? I'm doing well. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks again for having me on. Oh, the pleasure is all mine. I'm very excited. Um, you were very, very gracious to be one of the three panelists on my very first panel discussion for the podcast talking about what is art in 2023. And I thought, obviously, it was time for you to have your own solo episode where we can get to know a little bit more about Sierra, the wonderful artist that she is. Um, can you give a little quick introduction to the listeners into who you are? Yeah. Uh, my name is Ciara. I'm born and raised in New York, and I've lived in the city for over 15 years now. Um, I come from two very artistic parents. Um, my mother was an artist, and my father um, is an art collector and dealer. And I have always been around art since the day I popped out. Um, it's been a, a lifelong obsession for me. And um, I started my uh, professional artistic journey. Um, when I was in college, I wanted to be a journalist and go into advertising. And I absolutely hated the courses and the curriculum. And I decided I'm going to take a photography and uh, digital media design class. And while I had always been very artistic and, you know, as a child, I was always drawing and painting. And um, every time I had a, like a book report due for high school, I would always make like an extravagant cover of it. Like it was never just pieces of paper stapled together, handed in. Like I always had to go above and beyond. So I, I said, why am I not doing this in college? So I took a class and it was an elective. And I immediately was like, oh my God, I'm changing my whole career path. Like I need to do this. I, I learned like um, Premiere Pro, Final Cut, um, Photoshop. And this is kind of when those programs were just becoming like available to the masses. And um, I said, I want to be a graphic designer. <laughs> so I went out into the world and got an internship. And then uh I worked many corporate jobs as a graphic designer for a lot of hospitals and fashion companies. And I really just hated the corporate lifestyle. I was not for me, you know, as a creative yourself, I'm sure you can understand. It's just hard to fit us into that, that square when we're, we're like a circular blob. Uh, <laughs> so I, uh, I decided to open a freelance company in 2016, Moonlight Media, and I've been doing that ever since. And I've loved it. I have so many different clients from like DJs to uh, plastic surgeons, um, a lot of like uh, event venues. <laughs> Sorry, I just lost my train of thought. Um, I've done everything from like dog clothing to like asphalt paving. I've worked with like every single type of client and it's really helped me understand the process of design, um, you know, from, from concept to creation. And I, I just really enjoy creating no matter what medium it's been. Um, and then, you know, I've always done photography on the side, uh, just as a hobby. I've, I've always loved photography and I will just randomly get my friends like, hey, you want to do a photo shoot or like, hey, you, you need to save the dates. Like, let's go take some photos. And that's always been like a side side thing for me. And um, so, yeah. And, and then in 2021, I discovered NFTs through a friend and I was like, what the hell is an NFT? So I was like, uh, this is so weird, but he kept posting, like, just sold another NFT, just sold another. And I'm like, what's an NFT? So then, uh, I joined clubhouse and I was listening in and I'm like, wait, this sounds like really fun. Um, so I've, I had like folders on my computer of these, like, uh, composite images that I've made just for fun that I've never done anything with. And I was like, 
let me see if this is an NFT, like, cause it was still so early and I didn't really understand like what was happening or this huge, like art movement at the time. And, um, I ended up selling a few of them and that was, you know, that was where it just became part of life. Um, yeah, here I am. <laughs> I mean, it's awesome. Obviously, you and I met through the NFT space um, in one of probably 100 million different uh, Twitter spaces that I frequented for the better part of 2021 and 2022. Um, my journey with NFTs has come to sort of an end. I mean, I, I'm all about supporting artists and photographers in the space. I think if you're able to earn a living there, it's fucking awesome. Like you're living every other artist's dream for sure. Um, I just got a little lost in the sauce, I think. Like I invested so much time in Twitter spaces and like the GMs of the world and like, it was great. Like I think the best takeaway, and I say the same thing all the time, is who I met in the space. Like I've met some really, really awesome people. Some amazing real world friends have come out of the situation, which I think is more than I could have ever asked for out of however much money I'd put in and, and, you know, to mint my own stuff and collect other people's stuff. So for me, it's like a net positive benefit throughout the, the course of, of the experience that I had. And I get to have these amazing conversations with people like you um, who've had a wildly successful journey in the space um, as a person who had been like on their own entrepreneurial, started their own company seven something years ago. Um, where did the success and or failures in the NFT space lead you personally? over like the last year or two like from just like a mental perspective from like an emotional perspective because i know personally it's it's been a fucking rodeo uh in the space for sure yeah um i guess you know when i first started in 2021 it kind of felt like everybody was just like you know it was all wag me like to the moon you know and there was this overall feeling that we were all going to make it and as time went on, you know, more important, more people joined the, the movement, the space. And, um, you know, the market did get saturated and obviously like how things work is like when that happens, like you're, you don't, you don't sell as much. And, um, the momentum definitely took a shift. I actually stepped away from the space for like six or seven months because I had totally like, I didn't know what I wanted to do because when I first joined, I was just putting art out there that I had already made, um, but I really loved. And I would just look at on my own time, but I wanted to really think about like what I wanted to contribute to the space. So taking that break was really uh, important for me. And I also feel like I kind of like reset because in this space, it's like, it, you're just flooded with people selling or people not selling. And then just, just images and feelings and emotions. Like some people are very vocal in this space about how it's impacting them mentally. And, and, you know, that can take a toll on you in itself of like seeing somebody that's really trying and they're just like not making sales. So I say like taking a break was the best thing I ever did. Um, I came back, I had lost a lot of the connections I had made in the beginning. It's just cause people, it moves so fast and people move on and that's fine. But I actually ended up finding a community of photographers that now I literally talk to like through text message every single day, more than I do my friends that I've had like my entire life. And that to me was the best way to come back into the space. Cause it wasn't even about selling art anymore. It was about connecting with like-minded people. And just like you said, like building a community and having these friends that are kind of going through the same thing that you're going through. And, you know, as more as like, or as much as any of us, if you try to tell somebody that's not in web three, like what it's like, they look at you, like you have 10 heads and they're like, what are you, what are you talking about? Like, why are you so stressed about it? It's just Twitter. Yeah. They don't understand what it's like to be in it. So, um, I feel like, you know, 
taking breaks is, is so important. And also just like not feeling like there's a competition or there's a race. Like it feels like that when you're in it, it really does. But you have to remind yourself that like at the end of the day, we're all just creatives and everybody is going to go at their own pace. Everybody is going to have moments where they're selling a ton of work and then they don't sell anything for months. And that's normal. That's like what this is. And you cannot let it get to you emotionally or mentally. And I'm not saying it doesn't for me. I have days where I'm just like, fuck this shit, you know? And I just want to like throw everything in the air and be done with it. And then I realize that like, okay, just you're having a moment, um, take a breather and let's come back to this in a few days. So yeah. that's how I deal with it personally is just like not trying to not let it consume me. Um, you know, when there's good times, celebrate the good times. And when there's bad times or slow times, use those moments to build yourself. You don't have to even be creating, just like do things that make you happy. And then you come back and you're like, oh, like, I'm glad I'm back, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I think the you touched upon some really important aspects. There's like a big, big issue with mental health in the space. I think people really, really invest a lot of time, effort and energy into it. And it could be a detriment if you're not succeeding in spending a lot of time, effort and energy into something. And I and I that's with anything in life. Um, but the camaraderie that I found in the space, whether it's with other photographers, whether it's digital artists, uh, AI artists, whatever it might be, like everyone genuinely, I think most people want to see everyone be successful because that wag me mentality of we're all going to make it is like not common outside of like the web three space or really the art space at all because like i genuinely believe if another photographer is being successful in the space that's going to inevitably lead to successes for me and other photographers as well um and that's rare because when you talk about in like the real world if there's another photographer getting the job that i wanted that's not a really instance where i'm going to be happy for them right like i'm like oh fuck, i wanted that job so i thought that the community aspect to the web3 space um was and is the only thing that keeps me hanging around because the people are great and like as you get older in life i'm old as fuck so as you get older in life you start realizing that like the people you meet on your journey of life is significantly more important than money than you know accolades whatever it's the the human connections that you make that i ultimately have enjoyed most with the space um I'm also glad you you mentioned composites because when we were doing the panel um, discussion, I didn't know how to describe the artwork where you would take a physical photo and then digitally manipulate it, whether in Procreate or, or whatever uh, editing software you use. I find that shit incredible because you take something that I could do, right? I could take a picture. I'm a photographer. I could take a picture. And then your mind is able to envision a scene wholly outside of what is actually being represented with that photograph. Um, when was the first composite that you made and how did you sort of like evolve that skill set to where you're making these insane works of art now? I really, I started doing it in, in college, just, just randomly, like, um, taking photos of me and putting them in like just surreal surroundings. And at the time I had no idea what I was going to do with this. It just was fun for me. I've always had a very vivid imagination. So, um, you know, I, the things I think of, I have a, a list in my phone, in my notes of like the wildest scenarios. And it's like, whenever I feel like I'm like hitting a creative slump, I just open that list and I'm like, oh my God, I forgot about this one. And I just, I really, I have really strange ideas. I don't know. I'm weird and I love it. So, um, it's been, it's, been a long time, but I, I think maybe it started from when I was a kid, I used to make collages a lot. I used to cut up my mom's magazines and just either plaster my walls with these like scenes or, you know, all my notebooks in school, the, the marble covers, they were all like just totally collaged out. So that's always just been a part of me. Um, 
when you're when you're taking a photograph do you ever have a composite in mind or do you ever have a composite in mind and then say i need to take this photograph you know not unless i plan it out ahead of time most of the time um so like it's funny you say that there there was a photo of me in santa monica walking on the pier and i had i just wanted a photo taken of me there and then when I got home from my trip, I'm going through my photos and I was like, you know, it'd be funny if I like put myself walking on the moon instead of Santa Monica. So like, I think it happens after the fact, if I look at something, but if I have a shoot or if I have a, you know, a piece in mind, obviously, yeah, I can, I can gear it towards that. But a lot of the times I'll just kind of look at something and be like, you know, what would be funny. <laughs> <laughs> No, that's cool. I uh, I feel like I'm in the best place uh, creatively in my career, and I've only been a photographer full time now for three years. Um, and wow. I think I've yeah, no, I know it's crazy. I uh, you know I'm sure you've heard the story many times. Lost my job during the pandemic. Took a road trip around the country. Decided I wanted to figure out what the fuck I wanted to do to be happy. Thus, my photography career was born, and this podcast and all of the amazing shit that has happened to me since has been a byproduct of that. But for very early on, I dealt with a ton of imposter syndrome, um, a ton of sort of creative blockage, right? I didn't know what I was trying to say or do in my photography. And I've now reached a point where I am wholly know what I want to create when I'm partnering with models or bands or whoever I'm working with. Like I know what I want to, to be able to put together with them. Um, but that creative process, like, or, or I guess that comfort in my own creativity took a long time. It took me three years. Um, you've obviously been in this world for a very long time. Do you ever struggle with that sort of creative process? Do you ever struggle with like, uh, any sort of aspect to the creative process where it's like either hard for you to come up with concepts or desires to want to like do the work? Absolutely. I mean, they, there's writer's block and there's artist block. Um, there's times where I feel like I was forcing myself to create simply to keep up with the space. And those were the times when I was like, no, this is your body and your mind telling you that you need to go out into nature and you need to get inspired again. And you don't need to sit in front of a screen and like stare at a blank canvas, like, what am I going to make? What am I going to create? That is not how you do it. And that happened to me. Um, I think it was like in March, I launched a collection with a friend, a collaboration. We sold a couple, but it, it didn't really do too well. Um, I think at the time we, we priced it a little bit higher than the market was able to meet. And we did that because we were compensating the models and we were, uh, you know, a lot of work went into it. So we were thinking like with our, sorry. Is this the underwater series? No, no, this was the sirens. This was a collaboration between me and a photographer friend. And, uh, you know, we both were just like, God, like we put so much work into this, but it's not selling. And like, it, it just, it really, it did take a toll on both of us mentally. And uh, I was like, you know what? Like, it's okay. It's we, the art is there. It's done. We love it. We had an amazing time collaborating and th that says something about it. And the next month I booked a solo trip to Costa Rica because I was like, I need to go figure out, you know, where my head is at. And being alone for 10 days in a new country and just like taking in all of the the sights, the sounds, the smells, everything. It just, and also just having so much time to like think not even about what I was creating, just about life and how lucky I am to be alive and like being able to be in this country, traveling and doing this. It like it shifted my brain, I guess, almost as the way like a psychedelic kind of like resets your brain. And for me, like I traveling and change of scenery and surroundings that always does that for me. So I came back from that trip and I was like, I had so many ideas and I was just like, so ready to create again, but they, it was taking, it took that 
leaving everything behind and just going off to kind of build that, that momentum back up in my, in my soul to create. And, um, I think every artist should take time off and take time away, you know? Yeah. I love that. It's funny. I've, I've realized as I've gotten older, and like I said, I'm so old now that when you get to this age uh, that two things start happening, you get immense appreciation for the stuff that you have in life. And I don't mean stuff. I mean like people experiences life, right? Like real life, not like what kind of phone I have or car I drive, et cetera. I mean like actual life. Um, and then that, that ability to be conscious of that appreciation usually comes through those soft, quiet moments with yourself or through tragedy, right? Like whether a loved one dies, a friend, something that impacts you to realize just the fragility and shortness of life um, that I think only happens in those really shitty circumstances, but they're able to, at least for me as a creative, make me be so appreciative that I have this opportunity to be here to do something that I love. And that's absolutely never lost on me. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm glad to see that you relate in that as well, because I think it's a tough concept for some people to understand that, like, this is not always a given, we're not always going to be able to do this kind of stuff. And, you know, sometimes it takes that kind of pause to, to realize that. Absolutely. I saw something on Instagram last night that it was like, stop what you're doing and be thankful that you're alive. And the way that it was it just like shook me to the core. I was like, Oh my God, I'm stressing about such trivial things right now. And like, it just totally shifted my mindset of like, okay, there's so much going on in the world right now. That's horrible. And I'm sitting here, you know, stressing over something that happened on Twitter or with an NFT. Like it, you gotta like be able to just. Yeah. Compartmentalization is as you get older, putting things in their place where they belong and like understanding what is important and what isn't um, is it's it's a lot harder than it probably needs to be right. Like I think when you look at how all encompassing and consuming like social media can be and especially if you're a creative like a part of my job is just fucking posting on social media which sounds so stupid and I, I was texting my friend last night I was like I'm so pissed that I like worry about the fact that I'm only gaining a few hundred followers a month on like this platform or that platform. And then I read that back out to myself out loud and I was like, Jesus fucking Christ. That's so gross. I was like, can you, I like, I had to stop and tell myself you're so dumb. Like this doesn't matter. Like the number attached to my name on a social media app doesn't mean shit. You know, what's important. Are my parents healthy? Are my brother and sister and my cousins, my family, and like my friends, are they happy? Are they healthy? Like these are things that are important and I'm worried about the number attached to my name on a social media app. But that's not like your fault. This is like what <laughs> we've been, you know, yeah. hold matters. And it's really, it's not a good thing um, for us. And we really need to, you know, like you said, com- compartmentalize and shift our focus on what is really important how do you deal with like creative burnout? Um, because a lot of your process is time consuming, right? So like whether if you're doing a composite, you're creating something physically in the world and then spending however many hours making into something entirely different. How do you deal with like, I'm 10 hours into this project and it's not where I want it? Like, how do you deal with that sort of like creative crush on your soul when you're like not getting what you want out of something? I leave it. I leave it alone. I walk, I save it. I put it on my hard drive and I walk away and I don't ever try to force it. And if I feel like I'm forcing it, I'm like, it's not the right time. And this is not meant to be. And I do that quite often. I mean, I have hundreds of unfinished works that I just don't know where I'm going with yet. And I, my biggest thing is, is like, don't, force it if you it's like a fart if you force it it's gonna be shit (laughs) i can't even begin to describe how much that is my favorite analogy of all time i say that a in an alarming amount of times i say that i'm 
become best friends. <laughs> Insert the stepbrothers meme. Um, no, I completely agree with you. That is so funny and so true. Yeah, you can't like, and I find that like, even if I'm on set and I'm struggling with being able to get the photo that I want, um, I feel that, like, I think that, like, stop forcing it. You're going to shit. I say in my head, you're going to shit the bed, not shit yourself because it's not an actual fart. But, like, I think that because it's hard to do when you're in the moment. It's easier to do, like, when there's not that time constraint, right? Like, you're sitting at home, you're, you know, in your office, whatever you're doing, you're doing it. But, like, when I'm on set, like, I was on it yesterday, I was like, you know, I got three hours in the studio and I was about an hour in. I was like, I'm not getting stuff that I know is going to lead to a happy client. And then, you know, the right song comes on the fucking speaker. And then all of a sudden you take one good one and you're, then I start feeling it. Then I start realizing that there's no reason, reason to press. I got plenty of time. There's a million different things that we could do to change where my head is at in this shoot. And it changed quickly. Um, but like a fart, you can't force that sort of process. <laughs> And yeah, you know, it is different. Like if you're on an actual shoot that's happening live, you know, you can't just walk away and be like, I'm done. Um, but what you can do is like, say, hey, I'm taking five, go outside, look at the sky. They literally have scientific uh, data that says if the first thing you do in the morning is go outside and just stare at the blue part of the sky for like five minutes it resets something in your brain. I have to find the the actual article, but I've been doing that every single day. Like when I walk my dogs in the morning, I just stand there and I stare at the blue. And since I've started doing this, it's almost like a form of meditation for me. So if you are in a shoot and you're just like, oh, I feel stuck, like just doing silly things like that, you know, like getting yeah. some fresh air. Like it's like, I got to try that. I have a bad habit of my mornings, like slowly rolling into like the day. Like I have read a million times how first thing you do, don't get on your phone when you're laying in bed. And what do I do every morning? I fucking grab my phone and I look at what I missed and blah, blah. Like it's the worst. And I do like this year, I really started to be conscious of like, I'll leave dishes in the sink for, uh, you know, overnight till tomorrow morning and not put them in the dishwasher. And I'm like, why do I do that? And then you like think about how habits get formed and it doesn't take too long to create both a negative and a positive habit, but I'm gonna definitely try that um, sunlight thing. I, I do, you'll notice I did the breathing thing before we started the podcast. I do believe in breath work. I'm a big proponent of it. I think it's made a marked improvement on my mental health in the last couple of years. Um, and it's one of those things where like those small moments of just being centered into believing what your breath is doing and capable of doing to yourself is so fucking relaxing. It's great. You realize how many times you don't breathe and you're not even realizing it. Like I just had to remind right. myself just now that I wasn't like, I wasn't taking like natural breaths. And I'm, yeah. it's just because we're so used to like, I don't know, like we're so consumed with everything that's going on. Maybe we forget to breathe. And that's like what keeps our brain oxygenized and like keeps our creativity flowing. So breathe people. Mm. Don't forget. Yeah. Don't sweat the small stuff is a great life lesson. Um, I, I've, I've over my journey over the last three years of like discovering who I am, I think one of the most important lessons that I learned is that other people's opinions of me besides my family don't matter. I don't stress about what the people on Twitter think of my work or Instagram or how many likes and stuff. And I, I catch myself at times realizing that I am thinking about it and I have to break that cycle. But I think one of the great things that I've sort of uncovered over the last couple of years is that my successes are going to be predetermined by how hard I work and not by anything else. Like no one else is going to tell me whether I'm going to be successful or not. When you look at your own sort of journey as an artist, do you have trouble understanding or developing a metric for what you consider successful? Because to me, you have your own company, you've got a, a million clients, you're doing like the work, right? Versus the art artist side of you that is selling artwork as NFTs, digital creations, etc. Do you ever struggle with being able to sort of like put a metric on how you're doing? All the time. Um, 
And, you know, it doesn't help that after the pandemic, a lot of my clients decided to, you know, seek cheaper alternatives to design, whether it's doing it themselves using like Canva or using sites like Fiverr. Um, you know, it's, it's been, it was a tough time. I was on unemployment for the first time in my life. And I was like, what am I going to do? So as of late, you know, I think just getting feedback from other artists and in the web three space has really helped boost my confidence, um, as an artist. And I'm not talking likes or retweets or share like anything like that i'm talking about like genuine conversations that are people are like well this really resonated me with me in this way and like i felt this when i looked at your photo or you know even just meeting you and talking to you and you saying how you appreciate my art but you're not you're not a digital artist you're a photographer and i think to me like that has been like so helpful to my confidence and, and how I view myself and how I view, like how I gauge that I'm doing like success wise. Um, and th- that's been like the biggest thing for me is just having creative friends that I can talk to and bounce ideas off and be like, what do you think of this? Like, what is your honest opinion? And not that like, you know, everybody art is so subjective. Like everybody sees art in different ways and I'm not going to use other people's opinions, like to, to deem my own self-worth, but it is nice to like be a part of a community that like they have a general understanding of art. And, um, yeah, I guess, I guess that has been like, you know, recently that has been one of the ways that I, you know, I don't know. Also, like, I I never, I had never had a following on Instagram on my art page ever. I had like a thousand followers and um, it never grew. You know, I could barely get likes. And I just was like, I don't think that what I'm posting is, is resonating with people. And it wasn't that, you know, it was, it's the algorithm and it's how Instagram works and, and all that jazz. Um, And then I started like, I started feeding into it a little bit and being like, well, it's telling me to use this song with this reel. Let me try to like put my art to that. And my page grew like exponentially. And I don't- Plus the work being good doesn't hurt. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, thank you. I I definitely have gotten better, you know, as an artist, like my, my skills have grown and, but- that is also like, I know it's like stupid to say, because, you know, we were talking about how social media should not, um, it should not like, uh, the duality of it though, right. It shouldn't matter. But at the end of the day, in order to get more clients, more eyeballs and more people buying your work, you need to fucking, you know, stroke the ego of that algorithm so that they deem your content worthy enough to push it out to people beyond whoever's following you. It sucks. Yeah. Well, the point of this was that like, being that my page has grown, I've been getting more work. Like that's paying jobs, you know, like people are asking me to, to do portraits of them in the city. And then I'm, I'm getting people like, Hey, do you, do you want to be an artist on this team? And, and do you want to do this collaboration? So like, I guess putting the work in on social media as much as like at first it felt like I was just doing what Instagram wanted me to do. It did like open up a lot of doors for me uh, recently. So I kind of, I love that. It's that it's the, the, it's the only part of my job that I have a, a, a real hard time putting the work in right like when it comes to being a photographer it's really easy for me to want to learn new skills new techniques try new film whatever it is like from like my job perspective but the part of my job that i have a really hard time focusing on and spending the amount of time that it deserves is social media it is looking up the trending sounds it is how long it needs to be how many photos does it need to be in a carousel like all this shit. i have a hard time putting in the effort because to me it's just like so tertiary to like the thing that I do. 
it is important, but it's not what I love. I love taking photos. I love spending time with an individual, getting to know them and trying to capture one to three to five moments, whether we're together an hour or two hours, whatever, that resonate with who I am as a photographer and tell a story that I'm trying to tell. A lot of times I don't know what I'm doing when I'm there, right? Like, I don't know what's going to come of it. There are those sort of in-between moments that happen that I'm like, now I can see what I'm trying to create. Um, there's no pre-planned pro process at all, but it's, it's the other aspect of my job, the social media aspect that I struggle with a lot. It's something I'm working on and something that I hope to get better at. Um, but yeah, it, it is a struggle for sure. For sure. Yeah. And it, it does, it takes, it's a time suck. You know, you have to, I've lately, I've been saying, I'm only going to do social media posting and responding to messages and any type of like scrolling from like 10 o'clock to 12 in the, in the afternoon, like those, not like consecutively, but those are the hours. And then throughout the day, like if something comes up and I want to respond, yeah, but like you have to dedicate a certain amount of time to it because if you just spend the whole time doing whole day doing it, it's like, before you know it, you're like, what, what did I, what did I do today? <laughs> yeah, yeah, TikTok will have that effect on me for sure. Oh God. That's why I don't use TikTok. Cause it's like scary how it sucks you in. It's tough. It's tough. I will tell you. And you know, it's weird because from like a social currency perspective, like the thing that I think I, would like to have the most following on is is Instagram as a image maker I create photographs I think that the number attached to my name on that platform matters a little bit more than others I just for some reason want to get big on TikTok I don't know why it's so fucking dumb <laughs> it's so dumb I feel like a lot of people that had made it on TikTok it helps their Instagram like it just goes hand in hand you know so if that's if you like that platform better, Instagram is so hard to like figure out. You know, I feel like TikTok. Here, if I'm being honest, I don't like any of them. <laughs> I would like to snap my fingers and have fifty thousand followers. Told us you wanted to be a TikTok star. We all heard it. <laughs> I'm gonna start doing. Dreams. I'm gonna start doing the lip syncs, and before you know it, I'm gonna have six point seven million Instagram. Uh, sorry, TikTok followers. And all my dreams will come true. I'll be making $13 every post on the TikTok creator fund. And it's going to be everything I could have hoped for and more. I am here for it. I will be one of those 6.3 million. Oh, thanks. I appreciate that. Um, I'm lucky enough that the journey over the last three years has been transformative for me as a person. Um, it sort of culminated with January of this year. I made the most amount of money I ever made in a single month. I've just sort of put it all together and I've, I've hit my stride in my creative career for the first time in three years. And it's a really wonderful place to be in for me because I have now a bit of financial flexibility and freedom that I didn't have, say, six months ago. I have really great reoccurring clients who are booking me all the time. And I've just sort of found my sweet spot of like what I'm doing. And as I look forward over the next month, like I'm going to get to shoot some really cool music stuff, which I'm super thrilled about. And even heading into March, like I, I'm just on, on, on par or on pace for having probably the best year of my life creatively. Um, when you look at yourself and like how your process has sort of on, 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 oh, Jesus, what are you trying to say, John, how your process has sort of gone over the last two, three years, what are your, like some of your hopes and dreams for yourself for, for 2023? If I'm being so honest, 2022 was a rough, rough year for me, True Mentally, that. emotionally, physically. Um, I was like, when it stroke midnight at on new year's i was like this is it this is the last time i'm gonna feel like this mm -hmm. and going into this new year with that mindset even if i have a bad day i'm like this is a bad day this mm -hmm. isn't a bad year this isn't a bad life Ooh. and i think my mindset has changed exponentially this year. And because of that, I've seen good things happening, you know, um, whereas 2022, I feel like I could not get a grip on all these things I wanted to do. 
I wasn't working out. I was eating like shit. Um, I was drinking too much, you know, going out and just like wasting time. Yeah. And, and, and I just felt like that was the year that like never ended. And I just could not wait to just start fresh. And yeah, you don't need a new year to start fresh. You could start fresh tomorrow. But for me, I was like, I'm leaving this in the past, you know, just everything from relationships and everything. I was like, we're, we're starting over. And because I've had such a good feeling about this year, good things are starting to happen to me. Um, like I said, you know, my Instagram out of nowhere got, it just blew up and I, and I'm like, okay, like I'm getting more work. Um, I'm feeling good about all this stuff I've been doing, you know, it's like, I don't even, if I don't even sell an NFT for, you know, a month, I'm still happy with where I am. Like I have amazing friends. I, um, I'm showing up every day and I'm going to the gym at six in the morning, you know, three times a week. Fuck that, but nice. Good for you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a 6 PM guy myself, but no, I appreciate that. You know, oh, I, I never thought I could do it. Um, yeah. until I was forced and then I actually liked it, but there's um, a, that there's something beautiful in what you said. I think it's something I believe in a lot. I started telling myself reoccurringly over the course of like the end of last year and into this year that like what's meant to be for me is going to find me. I don't need to force it like a fart. I don't need to make something that's not there be there. And I think if you're able to find this sort of like mental peace with what is meant for me will find me, it's incredibly powerful to be able to open yourself up to opportunities in life. Like there are so many different ways that I would get into my own head and get in my own way in the past, because I would just be trying to force stuff that wasn't there, whether it was a relationship, whether it was a job, whether it was a project, whether it was something that wasn't, you know, meant for me, I would try to force it into being the right thing. In a lot of ways, the job that I had in 2020 wasn't meant for me. It was I was the wrong fit. It wasn't what I was supposed to be doing. But when you try to force those things in your life that are not meant for you to be for you, they fucking blow up. And a lot of times in a really shitty, messy way. But because I started believing that like what is supposed to be for me will be for me, I've sort of been living a much clearer sort of mental life like I can I'm attracting the things that I want to attract whether it be work-wise or whatever and it's just I've I've sort of created this space that I'm like I'm happier I'm things are easier like I'm living lighter and and I'm gonna shut up now but do you, you get what I'm saying like it's just one of those things that I've sort of learned that it's like I've now started attracting the things that I want to myself it's like reverse attraction laws of attraction or something like that <laughs> And that's amazing to hear because like, that's, I feel like this year has like an energy about it because it, it has nothing to do with the year. It has everything to do with us being so fed up with the bad habits that we got into, you know, stemming after the pandemic and just being like, oh my God, like it's time to make a change. And then the other thing I wanted to say that it kind of touches on um, what you said about like in 2020, you were just like, not there. You were not having it. Um, is the power of saying no. That's something I've had such a hard doing my entire life. Always. I don't want to say I've been a people pleaser, but I hated letting people down and I hated, um, not coming through, not showing up. And in 2022, I feel like I said yes to so many things that I didn't want to do. Um, and I, I got, screwed over a lot of times, you know, I, I said yes to projects. I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll do this. I'll animate this for you. And then, you know, I never got paid. Um, or it just, the project dissolved and like it, it just, I did so many things that I thought I was supposed to be doing, but it didn't, I didn't really want to do. And even this even goes to like your friends are, you know, it's a Thursday night, your friends are like, come on, let's go, let's go drinking. And you're just not feeling up for it. And you're like, oh, I really have a big day tomorrow, but like, they really want me to come. Like it's some, something as small as that. Now it's like, if I'm not feeling it and I, if I know I have something important I have to do, I'm like, no, 
I love you, but no, I can't do it. And I'm not going to do it. And I have to put myself first. And that's like, that is my theme for 2023. Like saying no in a loving way and just worrying about you. Like you gotta, you are the most important thing. I have an interesting question for you. I'm 37. I don't know how old you are. I'm not going to ask. Do you think so? Like FOMO led a lot of my life, like leading up to like the last few years. And I think I've reached either an age or a level of mental clarity that I don't have FOMO anymore. Like you said, I do the things I want to do and I don't feel bad about not doing the things I don't want to do. And I, I don't, I don't know whether it's come with age or just mental clarity, but for you, what do you think has sort of transpired that's allow you to sort of like ditch the FOMO mentality? Well, I, I will tell you that I will be 35 in April. So I am similar. Yeah. Um, I guess I think age definitely has something to do with it, but I also feel like, um, disappointment (laughs) has also led me to, kind of like pick the things that I choose to do in my life. Um, and, and not looking at it like, Oh my God, like, I can't believe I did that. Like this sucks, but like learning from it and saying, okay, like this doesn't work for me as a person. And like, this led me to feel bad. So I'm not going to do this thing anymore. Or if I am going to do something like this, I'm going to go about it in a different way, or I'm going to get all my ducks in a row. Um, I don't know. I feel like I just like, I found like a sense of myself recently that I put in the back of the truck for many, many years. And now it's driving the car. So I fucking love that. I can't tell you how much I love that because I realized not long ago. So like I've been single for a while since the pandemic and, you know, I've been through a number of situationships and I think, you know, I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday and I told her, I was like, so much of me in the past was like forcing wrong people to be right for me. Right. Because you get to a certain age where it's like, you've been single for a while and you don't want to be alone anymore. It's a very very normal feeling to be like, I'm sort of sick of being alone. And that allows you to have this thought in your mind that will let you compromise on something, whether it is a way that you're treated, whether it is uh, a lack of chemistry, whatever it might be. But I found myself making more and more excuses about people that I was seeing that I knew deep down were not the right people for me. And I've now come to the realization that I was doing that for fear of being alone, for fear of not finding my soulmate, my person, et cetera. And I realized that by allowing myself to do that, I was acting incredibly toxic towards myself. I wasn't giving myself the belief that what's meant to be for me will find me. And I don't need to slam a, uh, you know, a square peg into a round hole. It's not going to fit. So I think that with age, I've been able to understand that the right things will always find it their way into your life at the right times. It might not be today. It might not be tomorrow, but just because I'm lonely today doesn't mean I need to compromise on who I spend my time with or who I'm hanging out with or whatever. And that is a level of clarity that I literally just came to with like in the last two, three weeks. And it's been fucking great. It's amazing. I mean, so happy. Um, I feel like, like you and I are definitely on the same page when it comes to trying to make something work for the sake of making it work. Um, and I've been single a long time too, you know, and, but this is the weird thing about, I don't know, this magical year that we're in for the first time. I don't feel like I need someone like I I'm like, it happens great Mm -hmm. but I've got so much work to do in here and like and my own life that I'm not gonna force it again it goes back to the fart thing like you yeah I'm just like so content being single and like you know what just living my life and I I honestly feel like for people like you and me who have been through everything under the sun the right 
situation is going to just land in our lap when we least expect it. And when we are our fullest self, which it seems like you and I are both kind of getting to that point where, you know, we haven't been that way in so long. So. Yeah. You know, it's, it's one of those things that like, thankfully with the aid of therapy, I, I know who I am, right? I don't need to compromise myself or what I'm looking for, for another person. I need the person that's going to make my life better. I don't need a person that's going to come in here and change things and like alternate, like, or, or change what I want. Right. Like, I think for a lot of times, like you look at like the divorce rates, like close to 60% now, that's fucking crazy. But it's like that because you go on social media, everyone's getting married, everyone's with someone else. Everyone, you look at you get that FOMO, you get that mentality that Oh, I'm doing something wrong by not being with someone. And I think it's it like goes back to what you said, like, don't force things in your life, whether it's your job, whether it's your relationship, whether it's your college, whatever it, it is, the right things that are meant for you are always going to find you as long as you open yourself up to the possibility that it might be something completely different than you thought it was going to be. And it's okay to make alterations and changes to the plan. It's okay to go your entire life working in corporate America and say, Hey, I'm going to take fucking pictures for a living and I'm going to start a podcast and I'm going to live my best life because that's, what's meant for me. And like, what's meant for you might be being an accountant and, you know, working hours. <laughs> if anything, I would just buy a farm and just have like a thousand animals on it. That, that would be so the only other my only goal in life is to win the mega millions so that I can open up a dog rescue farm. Like literally you send your dog to me. And I just want to have like 50, you know, not volunteers, 50 paid hands, just taking care of like every rescue dog on planet earth. If there's a dog in America, the dream. yeah, that's all I want. So I need like, you know, a couple hundred million, but I'm like, I'm close. I'm only like, I'm only like 299.999 million away. So it's, it's, I'm close. Listen, what you've been doing lately, you know, with this podcast, I, I feel like this is like just the beginning for you. You're such a great, you know, host and presence and you just, you speak so clearly and, and intuitively. And I, I think you have a, a really good thing going here. So. You. When you do open the farm, um, I would like to be one of the like volunteers slash workers. So deal. You're locked in. Um, Sarah, <laughs> I am I'm incredibly appreciative that you spend your time with me for the second time in one week and came on my podcast. I have a very cheesy line. If you've been on my podcast, you're part of my family. Welcome. And thank you again. I just am immensely appreciative of your friendship and all that you do and, and you're awesome. And thank you. Thanks for having me. I I like my mood is lifted so much just from this conversation and like it, it doesn't even feel like it's been recorded it kind of just feels like we've been you know having a beer or a coffee and uh it's been so great to get to know you better and also to like to let me share my story like i'm so appreciative of that and uh good things for 2023 that's it that is the motto fuck yeah let's get it